Thank you for listening to this special bonus edition of Water from the Well. From the beginning of this podcast, I have not wanted this to be a platform for just one voice. This year, we have published a group discussion of Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and another of Psalm 11. In that same vein, I asked my friend Sarah Green to put together a group of Christian women for a recorded discussion. She chose the topic of how our pain and mistakes impact our spiritual lives and the lives of others. So here is Sarah, Janelle, Linda, and Joyce. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I'm here with three of my wonderful friends. Hey, Sarah. I'm Janelle. Glad to be here with you tonight. Hi, Sarah. I'm Linda. Hi, Sarah. I'm Joyce. Okay, so I um, was just wanting us to get together and um, talk about a subject that's been heavy on my heart lately, and that has been um, God using our mistakes uh, and our pain to bring about good things. I was reading Romans 8.28 recently, one of my favorite verses, and it kind of got me thinking about this along with things that have been happening in all our personal lives. Romans 8.28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. But what actually really got me interested in pursuing this a little more was actually the story of Jonah. I read it fairly recently, and I think many of us know the story of Jonah, how God called him to go preach to Nineveh, um, preach repentance, and he actually ran away from God and uh, got thrown into the sea and swallowed by the whale or the big fish. But when I read it again, I was thinking about the sailors. Do we stop and think about how they got caught up into Jonah's story? Uh, it says in Jonah 1, uh, 14 and 16, that after they saw the power of God in the storm that came um, on the boat when Jonah was there, that they called out to the Lord and then feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And I got to thinking, what if Jonah had not even tried to run away from God? Would these sailors have even heard about God? Would they have worshipped him? And and I see God bringing about something pretty wonderful and pretty powerful through Jonah's mistakes. I think there's plenty of other examples in the Bible of God using really bad mistakes and people in a lot of pain to bring about good, not necessarily for those individuals, but good in his plan. And I just wanted to hear some of your thoughts about some of these other um, instances that you see. I do think this is a great topic and one that is very relevant to all of us today. We see so many things happen in the world and we all make some pretty big mistakes. And I'd love to think that in my errors, others see God. And I think a lot of that has to do with recovery. How do we recover from the mistakes? Or how do we recover from the suffering that we've endured? And I think a great example always for me of that is David. uh, In how he, being named a man after God's own heart, made some huge life errors. And yet, that's what he's called, a man after God's own heart. So I use that when I think, you know, who am I? Well, 
David was a man after God's own heart. I think how we choose, like you were saying, how we choose to respond to those mistakes or even outright choice of sin in our life uh, says a lot about what we'll be able to accomplish for ourselves as well as maybe for someone else. And making that choice to go back to following God or to remember him in the midst of the pain we're suffering, it's very hard when we get caught up in uh, regret or sorrow or sadness or frustration or anger even at the things that are going on in our life that are sometimes very, very sad, very negative. Um, at least for me, I can become very self-centered, thinking only about that, maybe not even about myself, but more about, uh, not about the other person who maybe is going through it, but about myself and what I'm going through. It may not even be my problem, but still I'm worried or anxious so I don't respond well, and I have to continually remind myself, think about what would God want you to do? How would he want you to react in this situation? Because if I go on automatic pilot, I don't necessarily make the best choices about how to react. So that's something that I know I need to work on and trying to remember how he would want me to react. And then maybe something good can come out of it. Maybe something good is coming out of it, but I'm so blinded by my own being overwhelmed that I don't see the good and I miss an opportunity to be encouraged. Because when you are down in something terrible, if you see that it is accomplishing something for someone else that's good, then that can be an encouragement for you to go on and get stronger. You reminded me of Peter and Judas. Both of them made really, really big mistakes, and they both responded in completely opposite ways. Peter, when Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends, and when Jesus needed him the most, at the darkest hour of his life, Peter was not there for him. In fact, Peter betrayed him in, in that he denied even knowing him. And it says Peter went out and wept bitter, bitterly, but later we see a completely changed man. Um, he used that experience, uh, him running away in fear, basically, turned him around and made him one of the boldest men for Jesus's cause later. And his, basically, Peter's mistake led to an explosion of Christianity in Jerusalem and then all around the world, which is pretty incredible to think about the results um, later on down the road. Judas, on the other hand, betrayed Jesus into the, um, to the, the leaders and led to Jesus' death. And he was sorry for it, but instead of changing, he gave in to that despair and being very self-absorbed with his guilt and ended up killing himself, which is it's such a, a sad story because I think Jesus saw something in Judas and that he had potential, but he he didn't live up to it. Just I was thinking about what you said about Peter and Judas. Of course, Peter is no supernatural saint. He's like an ordinary, he was an ordinary human being with, full of failures and frailties in his life. But I think the redeeming factor in Peter is he took his simple failure life and he's put his life in the hands of Jesus. So that was the redeeming factor in his life. And he said, this is not the end of it. And I know situation doesn't make sense so many times in our lives. and But people see them as mistakes. But God sees them as an opportunities in your life. As long as we have a desire to serve him, as long as we have a strong willingness to be under his will, 
and uh, a pure heart and humility so that's that's exactly what like so many people made mistakes in the bible like none of them are perfect god is not looking for the perfect people he's looking for the pure people so that he can use us in his hands like vessels you know i've never really thought about the sailors on the boat with jonah and then you think about jonah and his life and how he turned around and influenced a you know entire city an entire nation and peter the influence he had and both of them come from being willing to be humbled and and in that humility and in that turning back to god things exploded but the men on the boat you're right would they have ever ever known can you imagine what they felt like when they i'm going to throw you overboard i'm going to you know i mean <laughs> all of that happening can you imagine just think about their faces um <laughs> But the influence that happened from those mistakes, but I think it all goes back to the, their attitude of heart. After that sin happened or after that mistake happened, what was their, what happened to their heart? It would be good for all of us to think ahead. How will we react? Because something is going to happen sometime. If we live in a broken world, things are going to happen. We're going to be in some crisis or some horrible situation. Our health, uh, a loved one's death, something will come up that will just throw us for a loop, our house and our whole town burning down. <laughs> Northern California fire. <laughs> <laughs> Having nothing to go back to and absolutely nothing to go back to. And of course, we can't know and plan all of that ahead. We can't possibly think about it. But we can think about using God as our strength and our refuge and our stronghold. David talks about that so much in the Psalms. And of course, he had lots of hard things happening to him from a young age on. So maybe he was thinking that way, I need to be prepared just in case. But uh, we all can think about the strength that God gives us. I like what it says um, when Paul was trying to encourage Timothy, and he tells him, if I can remember the verse, it's in Second Timothy 1, he talks about, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If we can think about ahead of time that God is there helping us to prepare and get ready for whatever we may have to struggle against. And it may take us time to even realize we're in the midst of the struggle. I mean, something can blindside you and you don't even realize what's going on. But at some point, we'll realize either we're going to turn to God and take his strength to help us, or we're going to choose not to. So just something to think about ahead of time. I agree. I think about my parents in the fire, and they were prepared to evacuate. They had their bug out bag, they had everything, they were prepared to evacuate. And they had a foundation of how to do it. Richard had worked with them on how to do it. And, and so they were prepared. And then the emotional part of it, I don't know that you can prepare for, you know, of losing everything like that. But if your foundation and your faith is what you've prepared, it may take you a second, but you can get back to that because that foundation you've made, you've built, just like a bug out bag, you've got that foundation of faith. Well, I think about how many cases there were where it seemed like there was no, there was no purpose, there was no hope in these situations that certain people faced in the Bible. I was I'm thinking particularly about Joseph. He suffered as a result of other people's mistakes. His brothers um, were jealous and threw him into the pit and eventually sold him. And uh, he made his way to Egypt and into Potiphar's house. 
and became a leading man in Egypt. But there was a point, I'm sure, in the pit, on the caravan, you know, in slavery, uh, on his way to Egypt. Uh, he ended up in, in prison in Egypt. I mean, there's so many points where I'm, I'm sure it was completely, uh, seemingly hopeless. But we see later that he could look back and he could see the good that God worked in his situation. He says in Genesis 50, 20, he says, as for you, and he's speaking to his brothers, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And he ended up saving millions probably um, because people were coming to Egypt during the famine for food and he had acted wisely to store up food. So I just, I think about us personally in situations where it seems like there is no purpose, there is no hope, we're suffering because either somebody else's mistakes or just events in life um, have brought us to a point. But the hope that we can have by knowing that God is there and, and working, that it is going to bring about some sort of good. That's what Romans 8 says, 8.28. It doesn't say, I'm going to work everything to your good. Right. It says, I'm going to work everything to my good, to my purpose. And I'm just reflecting on, on the comfort and the hope that there is in, in knowing that. Yeah, I think many times uh, we think the situations in our lives are meant to destroy us, but they're not. So I would like to bring up one example, like um, it's in Philemon. You see, like Paul was uh, writing the letter to Philemon, and then he mentions uh, about Onesimus. So something has happened, and uh, we don't know what could be the reasons, but he had to run away. And then, however, God turns this situation by making him even more useful. So because Onesimus had fled, he came across Paul in prison. And Paul led him to Christ. So when Paul came to know about his situations, he writes a letter. So he tells Onesimus right now in chapter 1, verse 10, he says, like, he's like my son. And he's much more useful to you right now. So you can see, even though it was a mistake, but God used it for a greater good. And sometimes we don't realize that. And now Onesimus has become a, a faithful believer and great servant for God. And on the other hand, Philemon, he received a brother in the place of slave. And look at this great bonding that happened within the Christ. Sometimes when those things happen, we don't understand during that time why these things happening in my life. But there is a purpose always. And we need to understand that purpose that God has in our life and trust him no matter what, what happens. Tell him that, okay, I know this is, this is hard, but this is not something that is surprising for believers. It's, it's there, like actually in Peter, first Peter, he tells us, we need to have the mindset of suffering. So you need to be prepared. Like you will get sufferings. You will go through struggles. You will go through dark times. Everything you will go through, this should not come to you like a surprise. Actually, they will come to you and they should refine your faith. So when you do that, when you go through those things, then I'll be there. I have a plan for you. And the plan is, he talks about in First Peter 5, to establish you, to strengthen you, and to be like Christ. So when we go through these things, I think we are fulfilling God's purpose in our lives. 
I like a word you used that I think that we need to, as uh, Christians and as women, um, use the word trust mm-hmm. to learn and build that trust. And I, and, you know, how do you get trust? It's it's through building a relationship. You know, I trust the lady sitting here because I have a relationship. How do we trust that all of this is working together for God's purpose and he loves us? Mm. We have a relationship that we can trust. Um, And that takes time and it takes effort to develop that kind of relationship. I like also the concept of it purifying us. Kind of like gold has to go through that fire to bring out all the impurities we get put through fire in life in in a symbolic sense and hopefully it draws out our weaknesses and our faults and and helps to mold us into something that's more christ-like i think that when we can think about suffering in this way that we can find the joy in it and that sounds like such an oxymoron and you know joy plus suffering but we're actually told to rejoice in our suffering and how, how do we do that? How do you define suffering? What do you think of as suffering, Sarah? Uh, it can be physical pain. It can be emotional, mental. It's challenges. It's difficulties. It's pain. Linda, yeah. what about you? I'd say pain on some level, emotionally. You may or may not suffer something physically, but the emotional pain, I think, is always harder, the hardest to deal with. Do you look at it the same way, Joyce? I think it, for the suffering, it could be physical, emotional, and... Uh, could be financial. Financial, mm-hmm. health-wise. Uh, physical, like, it mm-hmm. kind of covers our health and everything. Um, I only ask, because suffering isn't a word that's in my everyday vocabulary. Mm-hmm. What do I put with that when I say suffering? I mean, I, I can feel it. It's a word I feel when mm-hmm. I hear. But, mm-hmm. you know, I was I was like, okay, so what other word would we use besides suffering? I think pain and suffering is a part of humanity. We're all going to yeah. experience it at some point. And Jesus experienced it. He he subjected himself to that for our sake. And that's I think another part of the comfort that we can we can have when we do uh, experience these times of of pain is that he understands. And he's not a god that put us here and said you figure it out on your own. And I can't relate to you. Uh, instead, he he came down willingly and walked here on earth and felt all the pain that we will feel. And he says, I understand it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to ask you to go through something that I wasn't willing to do myself. And, and in the end, he says, I'm with you always, even until the end of time. So he's walking with us even now you know, when we go through through these painful times. And I uh, I go back to David because he's one of my favorites. And, you know, he, he sometimes complained to God. I mean, in Psalm 22, he's like, you know, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I cry and you don't answer. And I think sometimes we think we're supposed to be strong, especially as women. We're supposed to be strong. We can't ever be down or act like we feel suffering. And I look at David, and I'm like, oh, no, 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 he did. And yet he turns around and and praises God. So I think it's okay to feel the feelings and even acknowledge that they exist. We don't always have to be perfectly strong all the time. And 
I think God wants us to acknowledge those feelings to him. He, he wants to hear what is bothering us, what's on our mind, what do we need help with, how else can we um, verbalize to him as our heavenly father like we would to our physical father that we're in pain, we need help. He can see that by what we say and how we say it, but if we keep it all inside, of course he knows everything, but we're the ones that need to get it out. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, yeah, I, I love David so much uh, because I can relate to him in so many ways. Uh, sometimes he's the person who I wanted to be, and sometimes he's the person who I am right now. So you right. can see like so many uh, emotional fluctuations that he has gone through. But God accepted that. Like uh, he He's admitting his um, inadequacy in his life and also acknowledging God's sufficiency in his life. So that's all Psalms is about. So right. He's not taking the emotional parts lightly. He knows, okay, I'm I'm inadequate. But also he says, but you're there, that's enough for me. So if you see Psalms 1 begins with God blessing man, and Psalms ends with man blessing God, with all those emotional patches, he praises God. Okay, you put me in these dark places. I was terrified for my life and people were trying to kill me and he going he has gone through all these emotions but end of his life he says you know what i bless you for all, everything that you have done in the, in my life so when suffering comes it's for a purpose in our life you can think in this way like if you see an athlete he's competing for an olympian games or whatever it is he has to follow very strict regimen in his life. He can't just go out and do whatever he wants. He has to follow very strict regimen, how much he has to eat, how many hours he has to sleep, and all those things. If he's taking all those pains for, and also self-inflicted suffering for a perishable goal, as Christians, our goal is eternal glory. Let's read about First Peter. I think it has my favorite one, um, chapter 5, it's 10 says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. Look at that. So, the suffering, the purpose is for us to have eternal glory. That is our our goal. For, for us, for believers, the goal doesn't end at the grave. Right. Our goal ends at glory. Well, First uh, Peter 5, I think, is a great place to be for this because it also talks about humble yourselves in the mighty, under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Mm -hmm. So this suffering we're going through or the, the pain that happens in our lives, the disasters that happen in our lives, um, he cares about it, mm -hmm. and uh, and you're right. It's it it's all for his glory, but we're not alone in going through these things. So I think one question we can ask is, do we have a right to kind of mourn through our suffering? I mean, we're, we've been talking about how there's a purpose, you know, how God is always with us and and bringing us grace during these times of suffering, and how we're called to rejoice in these times. So what if I'm not feeling happy during these times? Is that wrong? It makes me think of in James 
when we're told to count it all joy when we have trials and that joy that is hard to express when we're in the midst of the pain. I think we mourn all kinds of things. Even that you use the word mourn, we mourn loss of different things. And certainly going through pain and suffering can be a loss of something that's terribly important to us. And again, I think God realizes we have human emotions. He expects that and he wants to hear that. So yes, I would say mourning, but then also looking at what it continues to say there in James, that there is something good that's going to come out of that, that our endurance, that our ability to be stronger is going to result from that. And that's really important to think about. So yes, are we going to mourn or be sorry or even be angry? Anger is an emotion too that we have. And we can certainly express that to God, but we don't have to be blaming him or ourselves or anyone else if we choose to look at, okay, what can I develop from this? What can I grow from this? What can I become stronger about this? And it won't define our whole life, whatever it is, however terrible it is, that's not the end. And um, we have a lot to be able to express that will be helpful to God, his ultimate glory, but also our own strength. If we choose to look at it that way, it's really hard. So maybe we need to do the mourning in order to get to the point where we can flip the switch and go the other way and start looking at the joy and start looking at the strength we're going to, we're going to gain from having gone through it. Maybe that's the mourning process we have to go through. I think going through suffering is not a pleasant experience. Nobody wants to take that. no no one wants to take that one. But when you're dependent on God, when you trust him, then he gives the peace for present and courage for future. So that's the very important things that we need when you go through the suffering. So you have something to look forward to and you have something to live right now. So he gives both of it. So and also he is with you, and when you go through that one, he's he's there within you and inside you, and he he's going through the emotions that you are going through. So he's he suffers with you when you when you cry unto him. He knows the pain, he understands you because he has gone through all those in his life. So he knows how you feel. So it's not that, of course, we have good friends and they they show us sympathy or tell you that, okay, they are sorry about it. But we have even better Savior within us, and he wants to do everything in his hands to take away that pain from you. So that's that's even greater thing that he wants to do for us. So it's going to be all right. Can you live in a place of grief and gratitude at the same time? Do you think that's possible? I think so. Mm-hmm. I do. I don't think yeah. one negates the other. I think you can you can be feeling both. I agree. I mean, I and you know, um, these Northern California fires that happened were just crazy, and you know, my parents suffered a devastating loss, and they're elderly, and um, to watch the gratitude of them being safe, the gratitude that they're okay, and the grief with that, and it it doesn't the gratitude doesn't make the grief go away. They're joyful that they're alive. They're joyful that their life will will be okay. And the grief of uh, losing everything, friends, church, the whole community, 
And I think sometimes we need to, I, I agree with you, Linda, that sometimes you got to stick there a minute. It's not a, it's not a negative. It's not a, any, anything like that. You just got to, you got to live in it for a it's minute. It's a process. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Good word. Live in it in a minute to get to that joy and to rush that or to, no, you shouldn't feel that you should, you know, your faith should be stronger is, isn't right either. You got, I mean, I, again, I go back to David. I watched David kind of hang, hang in that sorrow and then lift himself up. And it's been really kind of fun watching my parents go through this and, and start now lifting themselves up through their faith. But I think you got to be able to be grateful and, and grieve at the same time. They're not exclusive and they're not wrong. Mm -hmm. I think it has to also do with our perspective. Um, wherever we are in that minute, whether we're in the, the grief or we're in the joy, as long as we have the hope that this is not all there is, right? It, even if it doesn't get better, we're looking forward to something that's greater. And it will one day. Romans 5 um, talks about that hope. It says, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So Sarah, that's Romans 5. What verses are that? Uh, that's 3 through 5. So I think if we can, whatever we're going through, look forward to that hope and, and let that hope sustain us. Because it may not be right now. It, it could be very much in the future and we're not going to have better things. We, we just don't know. But if we're setting our sights on God and, and knowing that he is going to bring us through it with him by our side, and then bring us in, into that hope and the, into eternal glory, as Joyce was talking about. I think that that's the key, is, is our perspective as we go through whatever times, good or bad, that we have in our life. I don't know about you guys, but just talking about it makes me feel better. And maybe that's yep. one of the things we can think about, how we can be an encouragement, not only to ourselves as we're going through it, but when we see someone else going through it, to comfort them in the knowledge that whatever it is, and we may have no experience with what they're going through, but we can comfort them in knowing that they will get through the hard time. Mm -hmm. It may take a long time. They may not see the answer. Sometimes we may mm -hmm. not see the answer in our own lifetime. Mm -hmm. right. But there is a God. I always love when Richard talks about revelation. Does Jesus know what's going on? Does Jesus have power? And does he care? He knows and he cares mm -hmm. and he has the power to make all things right ultimately. And that may not be in our lifetime, but if we have that pers perspective of looking at what is going to be in the future for his glory, then that's the most important thing. And even though that's hard because you want things to turn out the way you want them to turn out and you want it always, now, always <laughs> <laughs> immediately and to be perfect. But that, that does give you comfort. And I think talking about that with each other is an encouragement to have that bigger, broader perspective. It's hard when we just stay within ourselves. We don't share and we don't talk about it. It's hard. Yeah, I agree. What about when we, when we think about kind of our general attitude during good times versus when we're going through a tough time? 
I think for me, it's easy to start feeling self-sufficient, complacent when I'm going through good times and I have everything that I want. But what about when it's tough or and when I'm not getting um, my deepest heart's you know, desire? I feel like that's the time when we learn about our reliance on God and we learn to find joy in our relationship with him rather than necessarily the things of the earth, like the physical things or, you know, the desires of my heart that I'm, I'm getting and finding joy in. Is that the time when we're building that relationship and building that trust? Um, I think that I know there have been times in my life where I've been kind of the fair weather friend, but the opposite. I have this relationship with God when things are really, really rough. But when things are going great, I don't necessarily include him in my life at the level that I should. And I think that maybe that's one of the reasons why we have pain and we have suffering is it brings us back to, oh, wait a minute, I really need that relationship. I really need that trust in God because I really can't do it all myself at all, ever. I don't know if you've read Lisa Turkaris. I think that's how you pronounce I, it. I think I hope I'm saying her last name right. She is. She writes so many good, insightful uh, things, and in, she has a book um, called Uninvited. And one of the quotes from her book is, "Pain is the invitation for God to move in and replace our faltering strength with His." And I just love that because it it talks about like the hope that we have in, in our suffering and, and the purpose and seeing that we need his strength during these times and making us rely on him is, is something wonderful that can happen during those times. Yeah, I think Psalm 73 uh, talks about the same thing. Like uh, David uh, just writes this psalm saying that why there is so much of suffering everywhere. So... And he cries out to God and wicked people are prospering and why I have to suffer, why bad things happen to good people. And then he writes down, um, so then I entered the sanctuary of God, then I understood their final destiny. So until that point, he has no clue why all these things happening. So when he comes into the sanctuary of God, he understands their final destiny. And at the end, then he talks about, okay, who I have in heaven but you. And then you guide me, 24, verse 24. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me into glory. Then he understands, okay, this is my purpose. When he comes to God and asks all these questions, then he understands, okay, I know I go through this suffering, but you will take me to the glory. That's the end. That's the what a what a beautiful ending right. that is. So, so much to look forward, in spite of all the difficulties that he's going through, he could still see that okay, this is this is my, this is my goal, something I have to look forward to. You know, it's hard to talk about this topic and not think about Job. Mm-hmm. I mean, the suffering, and then the pressures, and then. And yet he was steadfast, even though he 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 questioned. Mm-hmm. He never he questioned. I mean, but he never lost trust. He never lost hope. A lot of other people around him did. But when you think about suffering, 
outside of our Savior, I, I, I think about Job some. I mean, talk about physical, emotional, financial, everything. Whoa. And to be deserted by those who were close to him, in a sense. I mean, they deserted yeah. because they didn't, they didn't support him in his belief, so they made it harder for him in that way. And yet he stood steadfast in his belief, and he wouldn't, he wouldn't walk away from it. And that, I think, somebody mentioned just recently, um, or while we were talking, about being alone and you're not able to um, count on anybody but God. But isn't that, in fact, the lesson he wants us to learn? Mm -hmm. That ultimately, yes, it's wonderful to have kind, dear friends and family to support you, but ultimately it has to be just you and God. And that's an important lesson for all of us to learn. I agree. I think it's just not only the uh, physical or emotional suffering. Sometimes like uh, we suffer, I mean, financial suffering. Some people in the Bible, they suffered for the cause of Christ mm -hmm. and for the cause of righteousness and for the cause of gospel. So all these are the sufferings. And sometimes when we compare it to themselves, it's like, okay, I have a, I have some financial loss, and when I look in the Acts, people sold their homes for the cause of Christ. I have some health issues. Okay, Ephaphrodite, he lost health for the cause of Christ, for the cause of gospel. So that's even even something. That's why when they gone through those suffering, they took that one as uh, a credit, and they rejoiced in that because they suffered for the cause of Christ and for the cause of gospel. So... In this world right now, like where we are heading to, so we also should be having those kind of mindset, not only just for the personal life going through these sufferings, but we have to be stand firm and be courageous to suffer for the cause of Christ and for the cause of righteousness and for the cause of gospel. Our conversation, it just reminded me of some of the Proverbs. Um, it says, better to go to the house of mourning than to the house of mirth and feasting. Let me see if I can find that again real quick. You know, it, while you're looking for it, it's, uh, we don't like that. Mm. Better to go to the house of mourning. I mean, we really want everything. Okay, yeah, we might suffer for a little bit, but let's wrap it up in a pretty package because, you know, it, it needs to get better and it needs to get better quick. And sometimes that doesn't happen. And we don't like that at all. Actually, it was Ecclesiastes, sorry, Ecclesiastes 7. It is better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, for by sadness of face the heart is made glad. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of mirth. And that's Ecclesiastes 7, 2 through 4. And it's kind of hard to understand when you read that, what do you mean? Is it, I don't want to go to a house of mourning. I want to go to a fun party and, and be happy. But it's it's when you go um, to somebody's house who, who's lost a loved one and just sit with them and be there with them that you're reminded of the important things in life. You're reminded of what is truly important and where our priorities should be. So I think when you when you think about it in that in that light, it's actually better for us. When, to be reminded, you know, during those times. Why do you think it's better for us? What do you, what comes from that? 
refocusing, I think, in, in a, a new desire to draw closer to God. Yeah, one thing I always remember from my childhood is um, it says, like, smooth seas cannot make skillful sailors. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. So without test, there is no testimonies in our life. So if God is there, like all the tests will one day become our testimonies in the life, in our lives. And that's very strong to, yes. when you go through that one, it's not that the theory, the knowledge that you get, but when you go through the suffering, you actually get to know the Savior in your life. So, and you have this personal experience you understand his power in your life and you understand the closeness that you have with him in your life. So, which is transforming. And when you go through that one, it changes your life and it changes your perspective towards life and it transforms you and it, you will be a blessing. Not to you, but not just for yourself, but also to the people around you. I thought of a quote that I had read recently. I do not believe that sheer suffering teaches. If suffering alone taught, all the world would be wise, since everyone suffers. To suffering must be added mourning, understanding, patience, love, openness, and the willingness to remain vulnerable. And since we've been talking about mourning, I think that was one reason but just the concept of suffering for whatever reason, whatever we're going through, and not allowing ourselves to shut down or to withdraw for too long. We get through the morning, but we have to go on. And ultimately, it could be for an even greater cause, like Joyce was referring to, that we're going to suffer for the cause of Christ at some point in our life. And that's the ultimate and most important goal. So to use the times that we go through to get stronger, it's just like I think we were talking earlier about. Ultimately, it's for God's glory. If we look at it that way, that perspective helps me. It's not because I have any great role to play or something like that. I just know that any little thing that could happen to any of us in our life can ultimately bring God glory if we allow it to. And if we remember that if he's on our side, who can be against us? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Amen. Who was the source of that quote? Anne Morrill Lindbergh. You know, it's interesting because in First uh, Peter 1, starting in verse 6, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you've been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That really all of that, all that we go through is about him and, and what it can reflect on him. And it said, you know, it goes on in verse 8, And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Mm-hmm. Obtaining is the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls, which is the ultimate goal of what we're doing here. Suffering for a little while, I don't want to suffer for a little while, but even if I suffered my whole life, the goal is salvation. And really, my life is a little while. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not, sometimes it seems like a long time, but 
Other it's times it seems to go really fast. Really fast. <laughs> the older you get. Yeah. That's what I you hear. Look back, you're like, boom. I'm like, yeah, oh, oh no, because it's already going so fast. Oh, man. <laughs> it's just going to get worse. It does. But it goes a lot slower when you're suffering. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Pain has a way of slowing down it the clock. It sure does. So. Mm-hmm. I think maybe a good verse to kind of end on would be Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I think we just need to remember who the source of our peace and our hope and our rest is, and that we can come to him and he'll take our burdens. Thanks, Sarah, for bringing this together. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was wonderful. uh, Great topic. Thank you, Sarah. Thank Thank you. Again, thank you for listening to this special bonus edition of our podcast. If you would like additional information, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or find us on the web at truthseekers.org. That's truthseekers.org.